0: everyone and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino and I am your host. Each week we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest is the co-founder of Summit Chasers Network and former three-time professional athlete. I'd like to welcome Zach Carlin to our show. Zach, how you doing today, man? It's great to have you.
1: I am doing fantastic, and I'm really happy to be here. This is going to be fun. Uh,
0: this certainly is going to be a lot of fun. Would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe throw in a fun fact that most people don't know about you?
1: Oh, I knew I read that. I knew you were going to ask that. Okay. So <laughs> a little bit about me. Uh, so I grew up in small town. I'm actually from Canada. Um, farm kid in Canada. Uh, population... Eight, nine hundred, something like that, and uh, I grew up a hockey kid. Came out of the womb playing playing hockey, uh, kind of forced into it. My real passion was uh, martial arts. I was a black belt in in karate by the time I was eight, uh, eight years old, uh, begrudgingly against my parents' best wishes. I started boxing when I was twelve. I had a had a, our gym teacher let, let me let me join his underground boxing club when I. <laughs> I was 13 14 <laughs> years old so yeah it is it's things are rowdy out there um and then when I was uh, 16 I, I made I got my driver's license so I could drive to the city so that's when I started doing mixed martial arts in the city about an hour and a half drive to the closest city so but I made that work um, and then uh, from there the, the I moved to Las Vegas when I was 19 years old I had a sister that lived there uh, just moved there so I thought here's my opportunity if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it so I moved to uh, from small town, Clarissa, Alberta, Canada, to Las Vegas uh, when I was uh, just a, just just about twenty, but I was still nineteen, and uh, that was that was quite the shock. So, ended up uh, <laughs> training at Extreme Couture with some of the, I mean, at the time, some of the biggest fighters in the world, and it was that was that was quite an experience. So, I competed uh, professionally until I was twenty three, uh, and then I uh, injury kind of took me out. And uh, if you're not fighting for the promotion, they don't care about you. So they cut me and that's what was keeping me in the country. So I tell people I got kicked out of the country and they're like, and I don't tell them <laughs> why, like, well, what did he do? I'm like, uh, I'm not telling. Um, but no, it was just, it was just paperwork visa stuff. So I ended up having a, I got a formal letter to be removed from the country. So it's, it's still true. Um, so I moved back to, back to Canada and uh, that's when I started doing CrossFit. Uh, started doing CrossFit just to kind of get back in shape. Um, and then I was, was told that, Hey, you can compete in this and make a little bit of money. And I'm like, I can still compete in something physical and not get punched in the face anymore. I was like, that sounds great. Uh, <laughs> so I started competing, I started competing in CrossFit and, um, uh, that, that opened up a lot of doors for me. I, I ended up, uh, competed all around the world in France, Brazil, uh, Abu Dhabi, um, uh, all over the U S all over Canada. It was, it was really, really cool. And it opened up again, a lot of doors for me. Um, and that's where I started getting into, uh, I was a hobbyist entrepreneur, I guess you could say. So I was winning a little <laughs> bit of money. And uh, so I, I, I bought into a, to a gym and then I, I got the our profit for the, for the quarter. And I was like, Oh, we don't make a lot of money. There's a lot that goes into <laughs> this, <laughs> right? It was like, just like double digits. I was like, Oh no. So I started getting uh saw on the side obsessed with, How can we make that number go up? Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's when I kind of got on the side obsessed because I'm training three times a day, six days a week. uh, And I needed when I'm not training, I just need to relax. Like I'm not really, I wasn't really allowed to do much. Right, I'm just trying to recover. So when I was doing that, I was studying. I was trying to get better at the business side of things, and but I never really saw that as like I was the athlete. That's where that was my lane, right? So I wasn't really, I wasn't supposed to be a a good business owner or an entrepreneur or anything like that. That That was again, that was my hobby. Right. And uh, and we ended up it was the the next quarter was a little bit better and then a little bit better. And then I I made an exit, um, made a little bit of money on my exit. And then I ended up buying another gym. And then that turned into four or five uh, gyms where I was able to come into flip, learned a little bit more every time. Right. And how to increase, diversify your revenue streams, how to hire the right people, um, profit per square inch, all this kind of stuff, um, how to partner with the right people, marketing. Um, and, and, again, I just became kind of a student of that, that discipline because I, that's, that's what I saw it as. It was just like fighting, mm-hmm. right? I want to get better at marketing. It's just like getting better at jujitsu, right? And crossfit. Mm-hmm. I want to get better at Olympic lifting. It's just like getting better at sales, right? You have to be, have to be at the whole, whole ball of wax, right? So, um, kind of got obsessed with that. And then I uh, ended up with a, with one of my sponsors actually we wanted to start a fitness equipment company. So I kind of dropped everything and, and started that with them. I didn't start it; they, they had already been in business for about two years. So they're at about one point eight, almost two million kind of dollar business at that time. And uh, when I joined, um, about two and a half, three, two and a half, two years later, we, we ended up a little bit over twenty million. Um, wow! So that was my that was my first kind of. So there was a lot of trials and tribulations. They were set up for success. So one of their other companies was a transportation company, so we had a lot. there's a lot of good infrastructure in place, but that was still mm-hmm. my first major, having to build different departments, different teams, different, a lot of different types of people, right? I really had to, had to learn a lot at that point. And, um, and again, that's where I really learned that having the right people around you is so important. Um, cause we ended up, so the exit wasn't, wasn't as clean, <laughs> wasn't as clean <laughs> as the others. And, um, I ended up, uh, had, we had a daughter at that time. So we ended up moving back to Las Vegas. That's where my, um, at then, uh, then wife was, was from. So we moved back to Las Vegas started right away my initial initial thing was okay i'm not doing crossfit anymore i have to compete in something because again I, that, that's kind of part of my passion is individuals hmm. who aren't from a traditional business background or they don't have an MBA or something like that um i, I felt like all i could do was sports so I, that's when mm-hmm. i i started shifting into my third sport that I ended up becoming a professional which was strongman so I competed in strongman and qualified for a couple of pro, pro shows in strongman. Uh, but while I was doing that, I was still okay. Got to make money, and one of the best ways I know to make money is to run a business. So uh, me and me and again my then um, wife, we started a. Uh, we wanted to start kind of a brick and mortar um, gym in, in Vegas and do kind of an online brand with it. And That was in 2000, the end of 2019. And everybody remembers what happened. Oh, what huh. Happened next, <laughs> so we ended up dumping a lot of our a lot of our capital into that. And then when COVID hit, we lost every every penny. A lot of bad decisions were made, and we lost we lost absolutely everything. And, and what made it worse is we had our son. Our son was a we had a newborn while this was oh, going on. Wow. Yeah, so I had to uh, I had to work. I actually got a job doing customer service for Netflix because that's all that was really hiring at the time was the only opportunity. So I ended up getting a job customer service for Netflix. It was all working from home. We had a three bedroom house with two kids now, so I didn't have an office. So we actually set up in the garage in the summertime in Las Vegas. So I was Mm. sitting at a computer set up in the garage during the 120 degrees outside. I had a little air conditioner blowing on me, but that's, that's when I really like, okay, I have, I have this talent. I need to do this for my family. And then um, ended up, there was a lot of luck. There was a lot of perseverance too. Um, where I met my former uh, former partner and we started Next Play, um, and we we turned a brick and mortar, eleven hundred square foot, little fitness facility, and we were doing about 150,000 a month. We got it up mm. too, um, and so we, we took a lot of those frameworks that we from you know sales, um, accountability, leadership, um, coaching, leadership development, and uh, we had a couple couple clients that were like, hey, could you do this with my with my sales team? We're like yeah, sure. It seems pretty similar. Sure, Uh, it's just accountability, discipline, and tracking. Like that's sales, (laughs) right? (laughs) So we uh, we started working working with them. Um, They were a bail bonds company, so not not something I have a ton of had at the time, a ton of experience. Still don't. Um, And it it was very successful. It was very successful. We were able to get them from about a thirty five million and I think the next quarter they were on track to do little mid mid fifties for the year. So, like, why don't we just do this? (laughs) These these companies have a lot more money than than people trying to get a six-pack, right? So um, (laughs) we went. It's true, and then so we went all in on that, and um, I ended up again just becoming again a student of that game of corporate health, leadership development, um, how the whole ball of wax in a in a corporation needs to work for them to be truly successful, and then that's where kind of my my passion i was like oh this is what i'm supposed to do like i've always been doing it right i'd always been doing it but i never identified myself as somebody who that's what i was supposed to do right i was just an athlete um Mm -hmm. so i ended up consulting with some really really cool businesses really big and small ended up um, hewlett packard um, they acquired a company called zerto and hewlett packard brought us on to consult with them uh salesforce car gurus um a lot in the construction industry tamco um one of the companies I'm now with wind choice uh, and a lot of other smaller SMEs um, that we worked with. And that's, that's kind of where I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and again, um, it's all about the people you surround yourself with. Um, I had a, the, the company that I'm, I'm now kind of uh, fractional with uh, wind choice. They twisted my rubber arm and, and brought me to Arkansas a little bit more of a wholesome place to, I, first of all, I had no idea where Arkansas was <laughs> from Canada. I was like, I don't know where it is on a map. Like I thought it was made up. Um, so they, they brought me here, and then uh, we we started we started Summit Chasers with my with my partner um, Adrena, and uh, yeah, we uh, it's, it's been a wild ride. But something that a lot of people don't know, but now you guys know everything about me. First of all, I haven't shut up. In, <laughs> yeah. ten minutes. All
0: right, no more questions.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, no more questions. Yeah, um, something that people don't know about me is that I I didn't I didn't uh, I don't think a lot of people know this, but I didn't I actually didn't graduate in high school. I was um, I was. Uh, 17 to 18 I was on the drug the drug path there wasn't a lot to do mm. in in that town when you're not doing sports uh, so I actually ended up stopping doing hockey was a little bit of a rebellious phase and I ended up homeless um, from the oh, end of 17 to, to 18 and uh, I went back and got my GED eventually but yeah I uh, was I don't have the, the traditional <laughs> traditional uh, course of education one would say
0: well you do have a pretty diverse story i mean wow from playing hockey at well starting martial arts at eight years old then creating the first underground fight club was that before the movie came out or after probably after well, that was that right? was definitely after yeah that was uh, a yeah little, definitely little after,
1: after yeah yeah.
0: that is crazy and then becoming homeless at 17 and moving to sin city at 19 mm-hmm. i felt it, it and and how did did you? What kind of drugs were you into? If you don't mind me asking, was no, it just, just a little fine. bit so
1: of was, everything? Yeah, a little, a little bit of everything. So where where I lived, there was a, there was a, a road or highway. It was called Nest Pass. So where I lived, it was right on the Rocky Mountains, and there was this this road called the Nest Pass that went kind of right up the middle of them, and that was owned by the um, Hells Angels at the time. So they they were running a lot of um, MDMA and uh, ecstasy mm. up there. So that's kind of where I was kind of. I got, I got, I fell into that a little bit.
0: Wow. and look at, and look at the life you created for yourself. And so now, Summit Chasers—they're primarily. A, are you a consulting company, sales consulting company? If so I'm we, understanding we don't correctly, just
1: do sales. So we're, we'd be more of a, a business foundational <clears throat> consulting company. So we work with a lot of SMEs who, whether they're founders or co-founders, who want to be able to step away and work on passion passion projects, or they want to increase the valuation of their company to to eventually exit.
0: And so you have a son and a daughter. How old are your kids now?
1: My daughter is six. My son is four. Their birthdays two days apart. Oh. We didn't plan that very well.
0: Hey, well, I have a five-year-old daughter, a six-year-old son, and their birthdays are 10 days apart. One, wow. They're actually 11 days, the 17th and the 26th. Right? Did I count that right? Or am I backwards? 16th and 27th. Either way, you know, I, we, we, we have, uh, w- well, uh, Bella, Isabella, our second child was, we didn't expect, expect her it was one of those things where I didn't think, uh, my wife could get pregnant while breastfeeding. Well, that's a myth mm-hmm. we now know. That's right. And so, <laughs> and so then we, we were, we were surprised with a blessing, which is very cool. And so we just have birthday weeks for them, which is great because their b- birthdays are two weeks apart. So we'll have one big mm-hmm. birthday in the middle. And just celebrate for two weeks. Which is why it's either 16th and the 26th or 17th or the 20th. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know either.
1: Like, this is, one of you is the 9th. One of you is the 11th. I don't know. But I'm, I'm interested to find out when the age... What age is it going to be where they're like... we, No, I want my own birthday. like Because we, we do the same thing where we put them together. But I'm wondering when my daughter's going to be like... No, I need my own.
0: That, that was this past year uh, for us. They wanted their own birthday. So we separated... The birthday. It had two themes to it. We had Paw Patrol and Frozen. So there were two separate cakes, but still was on the same day. We had one big, big bounce house, but Isabella was adamant about having a frozen party, and Ezra was adamant about having a paw patrol party. So they both got their own cakes and we had two types of balloons and we still made yeah. it work. And it was a lot of fun. It was it was pretty exciting. Yeah. It's and,
1: an interesting theme when your house is because we did the same thing where it was I can't remember, it was Moana and Dinosaurs. So it was a very oh, nice It was a very interesting way to decorate but <laughs>
0: uh, that's awesome moana and dinosaurs mm-hmm. that would be a lot of fun i love dinosaurs and moana's is really cool and so you, the fitness equipment, did you say the fitness equipment company you were working for also did transportation?
1: Well, they had, uh, was, so the owner, the one that, the guy that brought me in on it, he, he was a serial entrepreneur as well. And his kind of mm-hmm. main, I call it like the main mothership that fed, that fed his passion projects. That was a, it was a transportation company, like a logistics transportation company.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. And then into fitness equipment, um, are you still involved with any of the gyms that you, oh, you still in any in, of the gyms? Or did you, it. yeah, did or no, did you made, keep them or sell, sell them
1: all? No, but they were all, I sold my shares for all of them. And that that was kind of, it was never my intention to keep them again at the time. I was just kind of doing it and it was a passion project. And then that's when um, Alex from was starting to get like gym launch was starting to get really big. If if anybody, Mm -hmm. anybody anybody on here um, is aware of what he did so that I actually ended up working um, with his company uh, during, I think the third or the fourth. I can't remember. Um, So that that was, I always always went into it after the second Mm -hmm. one of like, okay, I'm just going into this to, I'm eventually going to be out of it. Like this isn't, again, Mm -hmm. this isn't what I'm supposed to do. This isn't right. I'm just kind of doing it because I have a good name right now in the country in the, in the, in that province specifically, I had a pretty big name. So it was easier for me to kind of come in and do some marketing around it and bolster Mm -hmm. it. And then I had some good, uh, I had some really good relationships with some of my sponsors, like supplement sponsors. So I could bring in, okay, let's start selling some supplements again, diversifying some revenue streams. So it was fairly easy for me to just come in and make a little, improve their bottom line a little bit or quite a bit in some cases and then uh, and then be able to exit pretty quickly
0: and then were most of these just traditional uh, fitness centers and gyms or did you get involved with any of the crossfit boxes
1: you No, know, it was mostly crossfit boxes there's uh, by the end of it they were more like performance centers so we mm-hmm. we would do uh, like we would bring in some chiropractors massage therapists and we would run different types of classes different yoga um Strength training, um, weight loss, that kind of stuff. So a little bit more diversified near the end there, just as I got better at it, because I didn't want to mm-hmm. come in as all. Well. I didn't know a ton at the time when, when I first got into it, but eventually I was like, okay, this is how we can diversify. Learn how to bundle. Learn how to do packages. That's how you can, you know, you have a little bit more consistent uh, revenue when you can start packaging things properly and diversifying kind of your what your offer. So it wasn't until like the last the last few that we really um, went into like more like a big performance kind of
0: center yeah fitness industry is tough I was actually in the fitness industry for 13 years uh, I started out as a personal trainer with lifetime fitness many years ago and then I got into gym acquisitions with a uh, gold's gym international and so kind of traveled around and mm. ran gyms implemented systems and just made it work it was a lot of fun but margins are always always tough they're tough. Uh, spe- mm-hmm. especially with EFTs you know people will join and then just <laughs> a lot of percentages are just balanced EFTs. And so you're trying to recoup money. What did yeah. you find was, what What was your niche in the fitness industry? What really, what really got your name out there? You just mentioned that, that, that people was, knew who you CrossFit. were. And
1: it was the CrossFit. Yeah. Cause I was competing again. I would compete all around the country all the time. And I had some pretty good sponsors. I had a pretty good social. That was like, Instagram was just starting to be kind of a thing at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and Facebook mm-hmm. obviously, um but i had a pretty good following comparatively now nowadays that following wouldn't really mean um it'd be small potatoes but um uh, so i was able to kind of like i was on billboards so we had a there was a i don't know what to compare it to in the states maybe like a dick sporting goods um it's called sport check the mm-hmm. equivalent and I, I did some photo shoots for them so i was on billboards around <laughs> people people from the other side of the country were taking pictures of this hey is this you i'm like yeah that's me I don't actually wear that stuff. <laughs> I don't actually wear that stuff. Sorry. Um, but, yeah. So I had I had, I had some pretty good names. And, um, I had a pretty good name behind me. And I, I, like, there were some pretty big stages I competed on. Right. Like, there'd be a, you know a thousand plus people in the in the stands for some of those. And then especially when you get into like the CrossFit game stuff, like those are broadcasted mm-hmm. everywhere type of thing. So um, I was able to use a lot of that to, to my advantage. Again, just leveraging some partnerships I had with my sponsors, um, kind of thing. And then just learning marketing.
0: Yeah, and you're still you're still all over YouTube. I mean, I I was able to just just pull you up, and I was watching some incredible videos. Man, you are quite the athlete. I do want to to give you your props on that. There's some amazing stuff that that you do on here. Now, what what gives you purpose in your life and kind of keeps you going?
1: Well, I mean, the easy answer to that would be my kids, right? It's <laughs> that's kind of the the end game. That's why we do it. Um, but outside of that, so our purpose is really. Again I have a pretty untraditional background right to mm-hmm. to i mean at least m- my current version of success, what I want successfully is much greater than what I have but and as it should be um, but it's the individuals that have this unconventional background and don't believe that they're deserving of success, right I want them to have that opportunity to a realize that they can and to give their their background to give their past experience credit to be able to achieve that success, even if it's not exactly you know, the same, right? Like for me, like in the sports and competing and being on teams and having to understand that the whole ball of wax has to work together in order to be successful in whatever you do, you can take a lot of that and be successful in something completely different. And I think a lot of people get held back, particularly business owners. So a lot of business owners I've worked with and, and know personally, um, been on their podcasts, that they've been on mine, and they – they're the ones that were on the front lines before they've identified Mm -hmm. problems and they want to change it so bad. They want to improve things. They want to innovate. They want to change the world so bad, but they feel like they're in a box. They're in a box that they put themselves in. Right. And, and if, if we can give them a, a platform or if we can give them a framework to create the success, or at least so they know that they can create the success for themselves to go out and change the world, to, create a better future for next generations to create these wholesome, these wholesome companies based on values where, I mean, it's just the future, right? So uh, there's a a statistic and I can't remember exactly. I don't want to butcher it or lie to anybody where the, the number of innovations, the improvements come from small businesses because they can take the risks because they're the ones that, that came from, they see the the frontline issues, they see the problems and they're the ones that want to go out and solve it. And a lot of these bigger companies, They they don't want to take the risks. They don't want to take the big innovative risks, right? Like Google took a big risk with those glasses, and that didn't work out really well. I think it was Google, wasn't it? I think Google took the risk, and it didn't didn't work out, and that was a pretty big hit for them. So there's less and less risks and innovations coming from these bigger companies. So it's it's up to the the small to medium sized enterprises and those people that come from untraditional backgrounds to create a future. And again, we can create a future based on values, based on you know, setting our future generations up for success. So that's, that's kind of my, that's the big purpose of Summit Chasers too, is to, to I want, I want the, the success of these small to medium sized businesses to be expected, not an anomaly anymore, right? Cause they're the ones that, that kind of are going to, they're going to be a big, big uh, difference in creating a, a brighter future for everybody.
0: What's the biggest thing that you hear from uh, small business owners reaching out just as far as like just in general, Hey, I want to, hmm. I want to do something else, but I'm scared. And, and what, what is that thing? There's, that, there's always something.
1: Yeah. So they're, I mean, they feel stuck because they're, they just, they're, they're overwhelmed. They feel like they're, they're almost in over their head, right? Or they're too much in the weeds of what they're doing. Because a lot of them they come from, especially um, this is uh, comes a lot from the construction industry. They come in there, they were in sales or they were in product mm-hmm. development or installation or whatever it is. And they're like, I could do this a lot better. Or this, I, I identify this problem. I know how to solve it. Type of thing. Um, and then they they get into the business, and then all of a sudden they wake up and they're not a solopreneur preneur anymore. The business is going; it's it's kind of spiraling, right? They're in, they feel overwhelmed. They're in every decision. they they feel like they can't grow. They're stuck, right? But they they don't have that traditional like business foundational understanding that everything again everything has to work together. If uh, you're really good at sales. You can you can be really good at sales and jack your sales numbers up, but if you can't fulfill on anything and you don't have the customer service or the whatever it is, right, then you're you're gonna it's, you're gonna end up hurting yourself and you're you're gonna be stuck, right? You're gonna be stuck and you're either gonna fail or you're just gonna be on the hamster wheel type of thing. And a lot of them, they again, they just they, they feel very overwhelmed, right? They, that, that how to how to set up that business foundation is kind of their one of their big stopping points, um, and then from there what do they want to be able to do they just want to solve problems there was a guy i talked to recently he's from uh, he created builder comms and he was just a construction worker i think he was a manager he never really owned any businesses before and he identified a big problem it was communication uh between the uh between the project manager and the homeowner right and he identified that big problem it was such a big stress for everybody he had been in it for a decade right? He was a, he was a Marine as well. So he just, he had a drive and he's like, okay, I think I'm the guy to solve this problem. Right. And he figured it out and he went and solved that problem, but he knew what it was. He knew the, he knew the pain on both sides. Right. And Mm -hmm. he was like, okay, I have this problem. I'm going to go and fix it. Right. And then he gets into his business and I mean, he's doing very well, but he, he knows to reach out to mentors and that kind of stuff. But when it came to Growing the business past a certain point, he knew that like okay, I'm a little bit I'm in over my head, so he knew to reach out for help, right? So that it's it's before that point when you need to reach out for help is usually when you see a lot of a lot of these business owners drowning a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's a that's kind of a a, a rough patch too. When you you know your vision, you know your business. But you also, you're at a point where you need to scale and then how do you pass that along to the next level? Because when you start scaling and adding different levels into your business, not everyone's going to treat it the same. And I've seen a lot of people fail too at that point because of the vision is watered down. Not everybody understands that the mission's watered down and people start doing their own thing because they have this position. Um, and that's, that's, that's a tough situation.
1: Mm. What would and I think that's, to, sorry to your point, i mean to cut you off, but to your mm, point, a no. lot of uh, some of this, again, you look at like the symptoms and the cause, a lot of the cause, like the symptom is that they're overwhelmed, right? The cause, mm. and a lot of the causes, what you just said is that their, their vision is very muddy. You can't have a unified team going, rowing in the same direction if you don't even have a clear vision, <laughs> right? And it's some of this mm-hmm. stuff seems fluffy, but you look at some of the most successful businesses in the world. Like I've studied Hewlett Packard a lot and those guys, they didn't even know what they were going to sell. They had no idea what their business was going to be. They just knew that they were going to start a great business, unified around a purpose. And then, I mean, mm-hmm. I hear, I hear, Hewlett Packard's doing pretty good. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: last time I checked, oh, last, last time, time I, checked. I
1: checked, I don't know. Yeah.
0: yeah, I, I definitely understand that sentiment. Uh, a few years back, I kind of, I hit a rough point in my life and decided decided to go into business for myself. And I didn't know what I was going to do or where I was going to do it. I just knew I had a vision. And so, the vision was to create a profitable profitable business that serves others and honors God. And so, everything just kind of surrounded that. I, I called up a friend. We created the business together. And I'm like, dude, what do you want to do? And so, we ended up getting into commercial services. And the business grew to a seven-figure business based off of the vision and the mission. A service to all for a greater purpose is the mission. And and it, it grew to seven figures within a couple of years. And now we're, all, we're at that point to where we're scaling and growing and, and things can get overwhelming. So I'm understanding everything that you're saying and you're right. Yeah. One of the most important things that a business owner in that situation can do is reach out to a coach or mentor. Because without, without my business coach and without the mentors that I have, I, I probably would have just shut the door, turned off the lights and hidden in my closet. But instead, yeah. you know, we, we get out, we fight, we grow, we learn and we keep going. So I love I love everything that you just said. Now, out of your your life, what's what's the biggest thing that you've learned through your entire journey?
1: It's it's a great that's a great question. And it's the people everything's about the people. Like I'm I'm a big Jordan Peterson fan, and I read um I can't remember which one it was, the Twelve Laws of Life, I think. And like we were monkeys not that long ago. We were like not very long, like as far as like in the grand scheme of things, we, we haven't evolved that much. We have an iPhone now, but that doesn't make us any better than and, you know, anybody else. Um, and we, we are such a tribal, we're, we're such tribal creatures. Right. And we are, mm-hmm. again, you're, you're a product of your environment. That's been said a million times, but it that sentiment that I just said, uh, that doesn't do it justice. Like, the people that you surround yourself with is everything. Like I've mm-hmm. surrounded myself with the wrong people and we've, talked about that, right? 17, 18, I surrounded myself with the wrong people. That's what can happen, right? In business, if you want to be successful, right? And if, like you said, in in the the place where you are right now in your business, where you're trying to scale, at that point, it's all about the right people, right? If you read any of Jim Collins books, it's disciplined people engaging a disciplined thought, taking disciplined action, right? It starts with disciplined people and it starts with disciplined people unified around that vision, unified around that purpose, who want the same thing? Who are going to push each other? Who are going to have candid conversations with you? or going to they're going to embark in constructive conflict, right? And we have this weird, this weird idea of what—maybe it's from high school. I don't know what it is. Watching American Pie. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, of, of what of what uh, what friends are, right? A lot of times we have this idea, especially when we're younger is that friends are just people that you party with. They're people that you just spend your time with. They're people that you can stand to be around for a longer period of time. I I think that that's, that's not it, right? If you look back again, we're tribal creatures back when we were, you know, on the prairies running in bare feet, we pushed each other. If you were not capable of providing for the group, Right, you were pushed until you good, or you were pushed out. Mm-hmm. Right, and I'm not saying this to be heartless, but the people that you surround yourself with, you have to surround yourself with those type of people. Like those are your friends. The friends are like, "Hey, you're you're messing up." Right, and this is why get your get your shit together. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear in here, but I just did.
0: Yeah, uh, no, that's fine. Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's that the, your inner circle is so important. Like it is probably the most important thing, and it's not just again. <laughs> This whole like, yes, yes, man thing is just, I think it's so toxic. Like you need to surround yourself with people who are going to call you out, who want, who want better for you than you almost want for yourself, or at least better than what you have currently. Right. And you need to be able to do the same for them. Right. So I think that that's been the biggest thing for me is through these times, (laughs) through my failures and triumphs. So
0: that's great. It's tough to impose that on others today because of societal expectations and everything that we see on social media. Well, even, even 10, 15, 20 years ago, I mean, growing up through high school, we were expected to act a certain way, be a certain way, and hang out with certain people. And you made a point about thinking. I think what what's being taken away is our ability to critical think and ask ourselves, you know what, is this person really a good person to hang out with? Or am I just going to go get drunk and stoned with them and, and do things I'm not supposed to? And if we can find a way to better impose this, and I love that, I love that you bring this up, especially as a father. If we can impose this on our children to, to be the ones that create that, that environment for others to free think, to grow, to get better, it's a start. The problem that we're fighting, though, is that social media and while Instagram, TikTok, YouTube are great for businesses and they're great for the podcast and we're growing and we're meeting a lot of people. They're also destructive, too, because now we have people who expect and, and I'll, I'll, I'll go back a little bit. We have Bitcoin millionaires. We have people that are in their early 20s that are have a ton of money from doing nothing, right? And then we have a lot of people on social media that act like they have a ton of money, but really don't. And so the perception becomes a reality for people that are looking at it. You have high school kids who see this person that's their age, that's driving a Lamborghini, and they think that that's the expectation. Little do they know that he he imposed his face onto a picture of somebody else driving a lamborghini and then that that becomes the expectation and and then the kid wants to have that life and they start looking for the easiest way to get it which could lead them to like drugs and other things and and so it makes it very very difficult nowadays and i don't even know where i'm going with this but i'm going <laughs> yeah but well, what what are, it's
1: true we're we're surrounded by highlight reels all the time hmm right it's just it's just that's all it is is highlight reels and they don't see the work that had to go into everything they don't see like for for every kid that has a, or every maybe not kid because some of them like you said just fall into money like the bitcoin thing that's, There's a lot of rich people that mm-hmm. just press the button right mm-hmm. but they, they don't see the hours of us pulling our hair out us at midnight like I don't know how I'm going to get to the next. I don't know how I'm going to get to tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to do payroll. I don't know how like I have to pull money out of my office to get a loan to to pay my people. They don't see that. They don't see any of Mm -hmm. that. It's just and it's the same thing with like if you you were on my YouTube watching me lift heavy weights, you probably I I probably didn't post the five thousand I failed before that, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Or the Mm -hmm. hours that I had to put in to get to that point. The they didn't post the painful you know, intramuscular needling I had to do or the chiropractor appointments, the whatever it is, right? The getting through injuries, they don't, you don't see that, right? So Mm -hmm. we're just surrounded by all these highlight reels and it's, that's becomes the expectation, right? And then that's, that's what they Mm -hmm. push more because that's, there's all just one, one big algorithm and that's all they push. And it just, and then that becomes the expectation and then hard work almost seems like I don't need to do that. These guys, it's easy. Right and it's it's just they just don't see it and it, it's super destructive, so I think more 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 of us that can be genuine out there with mm-hmm. the struggles and what it what it really takes it's it'll it'll frighten some people at first, but the more of us that do it it'll it'll set that expectation of like here's what it really takes and here's here's what you have to go through and it's okay, and then be a mentor to those people that want to do it. Don't tell them they mm-hmm. can't do it be a mentor to them right so i hundred percent I love where you're going
0: with that's that. that's well that's that's solid and i've i've had a lot of people in my past uh, tell me hey man your your life is easy you know they see i travel a lot because it's i i, I created i went i went through alcoholism i almost lost everything you know almost became homeless at, in my early 40s with two young toddlers and there was a lot of a lot of pain a lot of thinking a lot of meditation a lot of prayer a lot of things that were involved in that to create the life that i have now You know, and it it started with a Bible verse, which is, and I have it up on my wall, which is Mark 1045, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. And I knew at that time that I had my mission is to serve because I'd been living a life of self, right? I was was looking at the world, and it was projecting inward at me. Hey, look at me. Look at my cool car. Look how awesome I am. Mm. But little did I know I was doing it the wrong way because service comes from the heart, right? And it's projected outward. And it starts at home with your with your family, with your children, with your wife. And because not only are they the future, but they're are they're, they're purpose too. And then from there, it goes into your business, right? If you're projecting outward to your business, think about everybody that you impact in your business that are going to go out and impact others. Think about the change that they're creating in the world. And so a lot of that starts at home and, and looking at, at your, looking at your story, I mean, you've been disciplined for a very long time. What does your foundation look like? Were your parents just, just disciplined as well? Cause I, I mean, to get you started at eight years old, you know, <laughs> in, in karate, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Was, so, was your upbringing kind of like that?
1: So that's, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean, my dad was a very hard worker, right Mm -hmm. he he was he was a very hard worker he always told me anything worth doing is worth doing well right and for for me it was because i had always again it was always sports so sports is there's a game on the weekend so you're preparing for that you have a karate competition here so you're preparing for that right so there was always a date on the calendar when you're fighting you have a fight on the calendar you have eight weeks right so prepare for right do your strategy planning to prepare for this date um in crossfit competitions there there's a date on the calendar right there's there's something that you're striving for at all times right that's there's something that you're striving for in between your ultimate goal like so you like your summit your peak right and um and then you have that date on the calendar that's kind of in between so there's always something as long as i always had something immediately that i was preparing for or i had a goal that i was striving for and as long as i do that i was always able to do that the moment i don't have a date on the calendar and not the date on the calendar is kind of a metaphor for like the, the ne- like the the next the next thing I'm trying to accomplish, right? Mm-hmm. The next base camp, right? We just got to get just get to the don't focus on the summit that you're, if you're trying to climb a mountain. Don't focus on the summit. Focus on the next base camp sort of thing um, or else you get overwhelmed with everything. So as long as I had that, I was always good. I could always focus on that and I would do whatever I needed to do to get to that point, right? Whether I gave myself, like uh, I think it was an Elon Musk quote, whether you give yourself six months or six years to accomplish something, that's how long it's going to take, right? That's so if right. I had that, I was, I was always good. Right. And the reason I fell into the lifestyle I did when I was younger is because I took, I took the date away. I stopped, Mm -hmm. I stopped doing everything. and I took that date away. And if I don't have that date, if I don't have like a clear thing that I'm pushing towards, it gets really difficult for me. Like the demons start to kind of make their way back in sort of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why I've always been very, and and discipline's a, a funny, a funny word. Right. So I actually, this might be controversial, but discipline, it's not everything. Discipline isn't, it's almost, it's not the most important thing. Discipline, you need discipline to create the habit. Once you have the habit, you're no longer disciplined. So if you would have told me before, you're really disciplined because you worked out three times a week. It's like, no, it was a habit. My body felt weird when I didn't, right? Mm -hmm. So it's almost more of a discipline for me to not work out. When my my therapist was like, my physiotherapist was like, hey, you need to take a few days off because you're beat up that was more difficult to not work out at that point because I created the habit, but I needed the mm-hmm. discipline first, right. In order to create the habit. Right. So we're, we're just a big culmination of our habits. So as long as I, I, I have the discipline. So my discipline is to always put some on the calendar, right. Is to always have my next thing I need to shoot for. Right. And as long as I do that, I have the habit of doing what I need to do to hit that mark. Right. So that's where discipline comes in is, is what is that North star? What is that anchor point for you? that keeps you, keeps you focused, keeps you driving towards what you want. And then the rest eventually should just be a culmination of habits. Like we're just a, we're just a big ball of habits really. Mm -hmm. Right. Whether it was discipline or bad people around you or the right people around you, whatever it is, that's what your environment creates your habits. Right. So that's, that's kind of my thing. As long as I have something that like I, I need to accomplish this. Right. And it's, I have like, like steps to hit it. Right. I have things I know I need to do to hit it. Then that's, I'm good. But it's a discipline of having that that keeps, me, that keeps me focused.
0: I love the way you said that. Don't focus on the summit next base camp. And I've, uh, I've climbed a few 14ers in my life. So I know what that feeling is like because it gets difficult once you get up over 10,000 feet, you know. And uh, always put something on the calendar. That's something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take and do because there are times where I'm like, gosh, I'm forgetting to do something and then that's where I'll start messing around on Instagram and LinkedIn and then I'll be like, "Oh man. Mm. But uh gosh, all great stuff. Now, how do you how do you manage to stay balanced with with everything that you've got going on right now?"
1: I mean, that that's always a work in progress cuz it's when you're I mean, I'm no different than anybody else, but when When you're somebody who's always trying to, like, I'm always trying to accomplish, like, I I have, I have big goals, right? So when I, once you feel like you have, like, what you're currently going for, you kind of have the, like, the habits, like I said, the habits, the, you know, my calendars organized and all that kind of stuff. Once I feel like I have that set, I'm like, okay, what else can I add on top of this, right? So it's really, for me, it's like, don't add anything else on top of it, right? But, I mean, I have a great partner, right? She, she keeps me, she keeps me grounded, Um 99.99% 99.99% of the time right mm-hmm. it's again it's who you surround yourself with um mm-hmm. says don't do that focus on this what should i do you know so it's that that helps big time right that helps a lot but again how i how i kind of balance all this stuff is i just have a clear what do i need to accomplish here and then how do i prioritize what i need to accomplish So i have i have with wind choice i need to get them to a certain point i have summit chasers um where i have big goals for right and it's just okay what do i need to do prioritize those and then have somebody to hold you accountable to it I think that's the biggest thing Mm -hmm. too right especially for somebody who needs to keep me like focus (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. crack the whip a little bit like shut up nope we're not doing that don't (laughs) do that right now like just focus on this don't get overwhelmed so that's that's probably the (laughs) biggest thing yeah i wish i had some like secret morning ritual i could tell you but i i really don't No, that's
0: great. I'm sure millions of people can relate. I know I can if it wasn't for my my wife keeping me in line. There are Mm -hmm. a lot of things that I probably would get into that I shouldn't, you know. Mm -hmm. So while not always perfect, it's it's perfectly imperfect. We'll say that. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it, exactly. it keeps us going and it keeps us growing. So now many people are struggling out there to find meaning in their lives and, and purpose. What's some advice that you would give someone who's struggling today?
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a, a great question. I was thinking about that one last night, that question last night. And I think one of the big things for people who are struggling to find their purpose is similar to what I went through, was they, they feel like the box that they're in is the only box out there and the only box they're capable of being in right so i think it's a lot of people they they have everyone has a purpose i believe that you're born with a purpose right and it's just finding what that is and allowing yourself to find what that is and for me a lot of it was i, I kind of alluded to this earlier which is allowing your past experiences to uh, allow yourself to learn from your past experience and give them credit like giving your past experience credit and and using those to kind of, again, I have, I have all these skills, I have this capability, so I can go out and I can apply that to X, right? But again, so many mm-hmm. people, they put themselves, whether it's a family tradition thing or, you know, cultural, uh, whatever it is, c- cultural um, jail cell that you're put in sort of thing. And, and they, they feel like that's, that's, the only, that's the only thing they can do. That's the only thing they know. So they go to their, whether it's a nine to five. And they're just like, well, this is all I'm supposed to do. Like, this is boring. Like, well, this is this is my, my dad only ever became a manager. So what am I? Like, you you put yourself in the box. So allow yourself. Try other boxes. <laughs> try other stuff. <laughs> right? Like, do do things that you're not comfortable with. Like you're scared of. Like I'm scared of heights. I'll probably never. She can hear me right now. But I'll probably never go skydiving. But I might bungee jump. But like, try try other stuff. Right? Get out Get out of your box. <laughs> try it. Like if you're like, no, I'm I'm not a good dancer. Go try to dance, because you never know. You might meet somebody. You might meet somebody in another industry, another company, and you might have a you know have a great conversation, which turns into a great relationship, which turns into a great networking. now part of, but like get out and do things. I know that's like so broad and like whatever, but so many people are stuck in this box. They're like this is all I can do. This is all I'm supposed to do. Get out and try stuff, because how do you know what you like or what you're supposed to do if you don't go out and Look for it if you don't go out and try things and yeah you might try ten things and nine of them you hate or suck at, but that tenth one or even 99 of that 100th one you know it might you might meet the right person right you might learn it might not be dance that you love but you know it, it could be somebody that you meet there or it could be uh, an office that you walk by right whatever it is but if you don't if you don't get out there and try those things you never open yourself up to those opportunities so I think again to kind of preface Everyone is born of the purpose. I 100% believe that. But you got to open yourself up to find it. That's what I
0: believe. That That's fantastic <laughs> advice. It's funny that you bring up the dance thing because our podcast release this week was with uh, Jessica Smorrow. And she actually found one of her biggest clients on the dance floor just doing different things. What what did she say? They were dancing to a wild thing or something like that? <laughs> yes, I can't remember what it was. And then, yeah, and then she she uh, she's a mindset coach, and there you go. She started yeah. uh, coaching a, a real estate company, so it worked out very well for her. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I'm also scared of heights too, and uh, I still <laughs> right, I still owe my I still owe my wife. So we went to Costa Rica for our honeymoon, and uh, I I don't know if you've been out there, but they're zip lining uh, platforms, and I've been zip lining before in Mexico. The zip lining platforms in Mexico are on metal towers, right? They're firm, mm-hmm. stiff. Yep. You know, you're safe. Costa Rica, they're wooden platforms on shaky trees. And, and your brake is a leather, a little leather glove they give you. And I literally, I got up top. This tree started shaking. I made it through one zip line. You see the river way down below. I made it to two. And on the third one, I'm like, yeah, I need to repel off of this. I'm not going to make it 13. <laughs> So no. even though we went we we went ziplining in Hawaii again, metal safe secure, she still wants to go ziplining again in Costa Rica. So I, I owe it to her. Maybe when I'm blind in my 90s, exactly. I'll go.
1: Dude. Exactly. I think you'd still feel it. I think our body knows. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think our body yeah. knows because it's not it's not the, like I, I feel it. It hurts when I'm like I would go again in Vegas. I'd go up to the top of the stratosphere and just looking down like it like my my chest started to hurt like my shoulders started it was it was just not it was a bad feeling so i feel like even if i'm blind i'll just know but i don't know yeah you
0: you can feel it inside i'm the same way we'll go go up in a high building and i'm like oh i could just feel it (laughs) good stuff (laughs) yes i am not alone that is great i can i can speak openly about my fear of heights now, through, through all of the work that you do and knowing your life story, what legacy do you hope to leave behind for the world when it's all said and done?
1: I think, I think it's the, again, our, our kind of the summit chaser purpose, which is to leave behind a, whether it's a community, a framework, a culture that the success of, I mean, people in general, regardless of your background, is, it should be expected, not an anomaly, right? Like we should celebrate it. But it shouldn't be so one in uh, 10,000, right? Like we want, we want these people that want to go out and innovate and create something. We want to provide, we want to leave behind a, a, the ability to do that. We, that's, that's, that's the big thing, right? Like again, so many people are born with in shackles already, Mm. right? Or, or, or the shackles maybe, they, they attach them later on in life. Um, But there's, there's a, there's a way, right? Definitely, if I can, there's a lot more talented people than me out there mm-hmm. that that have those shackles on, right? And I, I, I want to provide a, a way, I want to, maybe not not just me, but I want the culture, the community to provide, you know, a way to take those shackles off. And it starts with, I think, and a great place to start is, again, those those small to medium kind of business owners that want to change the world and innovate and provide for their family and hundreds of others.
0: Gosh, what a great legacy. There are so many people that are shackled and prisoners of their own mind. You see it all the time. And that's, that's sometimes painful to see because there's so much yeah. more. The, the mind is so powerful. And when I think about my own life as well, I just think about just the steps that I've taken, the work I've put in, and just the outcomes have been great by keeping an open mind and yeah. stepping out of that box and knowing that there's another box, doing what people, would say, people say you can't do. And just, just doing it. Well,
1: that's... our brains, are we're, we're, they're so powerful because we, based on past experiences, whether it's, you know, traumatic, you know, you have like a type of PTSD or just something that somebody, I mean, somebody could have just told you something in passing. And for some reason, that one, that, that one little thing, it just got you. And then that's, and all of a sudden you have this like imposter syndrome like, oh, I guess I am dumb whatever it is. Right. And then our, mm-hmm. our brains do this thing where it's trying to protect us, but we get stuck in this, this default doom loop. Of like, you're almost like, like for me, it was imposter syndrome. Like I'm not supposed to be successful at this. So I I would get, I would get right there where it's like, Oh, I could do this. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, you can't, you're going to fail. And then our brain tries to protect ourselves, which by it trying to protect ourselves, it actually stops us from doing what we want to do or what we can do. And then we get stuck in this doom loop and it is just like rinse and repeat over and over again. And if we can identify what that loop is, that default doom loop is, then that's, that's a big step. If we can mm. do that for people, and then just find a way to interrupt it, right, and have it, whether it's uh, make it into a joke, right? Like some mm-hmm. people, I was at a I was at a, a workshop, uh, the Human Communications Institute, and yeah, they had this guy. He, he took this guy up on stage and said, "He's like, I'm depressed." He's like, "Oh, you're you're depressed. What are you depressed about?" He's like, "I, I just wake up and I don't want to, don't want to, I don't want to wake up. I just I just want to stay in bed." And he's like. Well, no, tell me, like, is this is in front of 300 people who's doing this to this guy. And they say, like, No, tell me exactly exactly what you're, you're saying to yourself. He's like, Oh, I wish I wasn't alive. And like he was he was opening up mm. and he's like, he was like, Oh, do you see? He, he turned around to the audience and he was like, You see how he's talking about? It? He's like slumped in his chair. His the, the tone of his of his voice talked. He's like, Oh, I don't want to wake up. And he was it was crazy. But he he identified this guy's trigger, which he'd put his hand behind his back when he's talking about it. said, like, okay, take your hand and put your hand up, all right. now i want you to like think of a joke right and he started making jokes about him and his depression now every time he Mm. said okay are you depressed the guy would start laughing now so he interrupted this this default loop and i'm kind of butchering butchering how he did it but that's the premise is that he interrupted that default loop that this guy had where he always said oh i don't want to wake up right now i'm not meant to be successful i'm not meant to you know have good people in my life all this kind of stuff and he interrupted that and all of a sudden now when he thinks that he has depression he laughs because he's identifying Mm. with something else so he interrupted that that default loop and that's it so crazy because a lot of us shared our story and he's like everybody's telling the same story with different words like you had something happened right now you you your brain is trying to protect yourself right and you put yourself in these shackles right and you're and inherently you're um, disciplining yourself for something that happened 20 years ago right so the actual event what happened to you whether it was something and there were some people who shared some tough stories you're mm-hmm. you're you're um, disciplining yourself for 20 years based on one thing, right? So you're actually harder on yourself. You're actually doing yourself more of a disservice and harm than this person or event did. And that really opened mm-hmm. a lot of people's minds. It's like, Oh man, I like, I am doing that to myself. And if you, if you can identify what that loop is and interrupt it, find a way to interrupt it or find somebody to do it, to do it with you. Um, that's, it's a, it's a big step. And it was a big step. It was a big eye opener for me.
0: And it's huge too, because it, It debilitates us sometimes you know and i have i can i can attest to that because i've gone through years of therapy i mean i still my therapist is one of my mentors now as far as Mm -hmm. as far as mindset and uh i mean it's slowing down and asking yourself why because we have the ability to completely fear ourselves right the anxiety the negative feelings we get the fear of heights even is is a trauma that was created by something because when we're born as children Man, we are reckless. We are free. We don't like... I watch my kids. They don't give a crap about anything. Mm-hmm. They will tell you what they think. They will grab what they want. They will climb on anything, right? Mm-hmm. But through through the poundings and the traumas of the world, we we are filled up with just a bunch of negativity. I say a bunch. It's, it, it's things that we can work through, but it's trying to identify how far back they go, what it is. And so... When you feel that feeling in your gut or that anxiety or that depression, you want to stop, slow down, and just ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. you know, and oftentimes we can figure it out sometimes we can't because it's so deeply embedded that you I, I I do highly recommend therapy if there's something that you just can't figure out. however we we can be free, and I love that you brought that up because there there is something that caused that prison that we're living in. And I love I love the phrase default doom loop. I'm going to use that. So I hope you don't mind if you're listening to a podcast and I say default doom loop. I'll just I'll throw I'll I'll throw props out to my boy, Zach. And and uh, (laughs) but I, I I do love that now, Zach, if somebody wanted to get to know more about you and the services that you provide, is there a website that they can go to to contact you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can you can find me on um, Instagram, LinkedIn, Zach Carlin on there. Summit Chasers, uh, SummitChasersNetwork.com dot um, or S E S C N as well. Um, and then we have we're going to be launching our podcast officially on the twenty first of December. Um, we got about twenty ish episodes ready to go. Um, so that'll nice. be that'll be quick, and that'll be on YouTube, um, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, um, everywhere you can get a podcast in there. But yeah, no summit chasers probably.
0: Perfect, and then, and then what's the name of the podcast?
1: It'll be Summit Chasers Podcast.
0: Perfect. I will be a fan. Well, man, it's been great talking with you today. This has been a good time.
1: No, it's been. A, this is a great conversation. I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Oh no problem, and I look forward to speaking again sometime.
1: Oh, absolutely. We're not done here, Ray.
0: <laughs> We're just beginning. <music> Balanced Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Galtney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancedpurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at balancedpurposepodcast. Remember, finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination, and it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.